0: Everybody, welcome back. We're back with part two of MK Ultra today. Hope you guys are ready for it. I'm your host, Jacob Shop, and joining me again I have Evan Roosh.
1: Okay, I'm ready. Hello. <laughs> Hello, other people. And Proud also happy one year. Oh my god. Wait, oh, no, not quite yet.
0: It's like four days before.
1: Oh. Well, happy one year to us. Yes. Everyone say happy one year now. Like audibly and online. Yes. <laughs> we'll hear it somehow.
2: Yep. I thought you were gonna say Happy New Year, and <laughs> I was like, it could be. It's our you know, year. <laughs> yeah. For
1: those of you that don't know,
0: we recorded our first episode on December thirtieth of last year, so get coming up on it. But Anna is also back with us today for oh, part two, back, baby.
1: Back again.
0: <laughs> woo woo. To talk about more government hijinks. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the funnest way you can say that they tortured people with drugs. Yeah,
1: those little rascals.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're not little, though. (laughs) They're big, important rascals.
1: (laughs) Unsupervised rascals. Literally, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Less
0: supervised than the little rascals.
1: (laughs) 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 And their only supervision was the dog, I'm pretty sure, Yeah. in the movie.
2: Hey, and he kept them in line, all right? What harm did they do?
1: Other than trying to get in the movie theater, like in that huge trench coat, I think that's the only crime. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only crime. Yeah. That's Gottlieb. Just three kids in the trench
0: coat. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get into a movie theater. But I hope you guys are all doing well out there. Uh, I hope you guys all had a great Christmas or whatever holidays you celebrate around this time of the year. I know not everyone that listens probably celebrates the same thing. So I hope you guys all had a great holiday so far. And we're coming up on the new year, so that's exciting. You guys got plans? No. I actually have plans with you, so I don't know why I asked you, but, Anna, do you have plans? What are our plans? <laughs> <laughs> Go to the bar down the street from your house, you dummy.
1: <laughs> I thought you meant like for the entire year. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. What is your plan for the entire year? <laughs> I thought next you year? meant like New Year's resolution. Like, I do have some, but I mean, yeah, like, you I do did, I did, Wow. I didn't, I didn't know I that don't. like we did, like collectively. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: We are going to be.
1: Top of the charts. Good
0: podcast host. <laughs> we're, we're getting Ooh, there. We might need a, a year in too, and we're almost yeah. there. <laughs> right. But, Anna, yeah, do you have any progress. plans for New Year's that are exciting? No. I. Do you usually do things for New Year's or not really? Uh,
2: my New Year's have been kind of lame recently. Honestly, um, and not that listeners would know this about me, I plan everything very last minute. Like, I, people are like, what are your weekend months? I don't know. I'm going to find out as it comes. Yep. So that's pretty much my New Year's plan. Is gotcha. Waiting for people to invite me somewhere. Because <laughs> I won't plan anything.
0: Yeah. And sometimes that's the best way. Because if you do plan something, then it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And it's going to be this way. And then if you just spur of the moment something, it's sometimes even just the best way to do things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You're like spontaneous fun adventures. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Case in point. I went to a concert a couple weeks ago. Great time. Nice. Yeah, met the artist after got a vinyl so it was spontaneous and it was a lot of fun no regrets and it was an adventure yeah it was <laughs> and it was like it was really cool i don't we don't need to talk about it, but also the singer super cute so <laughs> <laughs> Just a bonus. Like yeah. Sidney Gottlieb cute or how cute <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, what are we
1: talking here? I knew I was gonna be talking nineteen sixties CIA
0: cute or what? Yeah, are we
1: talking. <laughs> <1960 I said, laughs> the intelligence agency. <laughs> yeah.
2: I said Gottlieb was good looking. Oh, this guy's gotcha. like which you all agreed with me, he's objectively he, good looking. That is yeah, that's true. We
1: did give him the first baddie. Aside from his giant feet. The club. <laughs> oh, dude.
0: He yeah. was a terrible person. He was a terrible person,
2: but he still, you know, he couldn't help that he had a disability. I'm
0: psychologically torturing his dead persona. <laughs> yeah.
1: He may have been a really bad person, but he's still a person.
0: Is he, though? Nah. Yeah. But Evan, what are your New Year's resolutions? Now I'm excited to hear what they are.
1: Oh, sure. So I'm planning on doing, like, a trip every single month. Okay. And so that can mean, like, going to, like, Door County in Wisconsin, or, like, driving somewhere, like, in the... I actually have an outline in a notebook upstairs, but but i can traveling a lot more. Like, if I can drive it there with Zuki, then I will, or if I need to fly, and if anyone wants to come along, they're more than welcome to, but...
2: I'm so excited for you. This that's sounds my plan. great. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. <laughs> ask me in March how far <laughs> ask, you, ask
0: you in March how your bank account's looking. <laughs>
1: right, right, yeah. Oh god, yeah. But uh yeah, honestly just basically the next two weeks I have off of work and that's where all the planning is gonna be coming. Sweet. So
2: that's awesome.
1: That and top of the charts. <laughs> Heck yeah Podcasting.
0: Well, I know we have a planned trip that we're going to go out to the Dells again, because we did that this year.
1: And play The Boys Are Back in Town 38 <laughs> times. Yep. Oh my God. I think last year, I'm not even kidding, it was in the 20s.
0: Literally, like, anytime someone new showed up, and we had, like, 14 people, <laughs> so <laughs> we played it, like, 14 times just the first day before it, people got there.
1: And then the second day, whenever someone, like, awoke from the slumber, yep, like, come back in the main room, we'd play
0: it. <laughs> and then we'd go outside and sit by the campfire and... Like play beard arts and it'd mm-hmm. be playing again. Yep. <laughs> the theme song. Yeah. And this is what we do. Yeah. When we all get together. <laughs> you guys amuse yourselves with those. Yeah. We're not very hard to <laughs> amuse. To <say>. No. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I hope you guys are all excited for the new year and looking forward to uh, whatever you guys have planned for resolutions. But as far as this episode, we gotta we gotta finish out Project MK Ultra before we get to that new year. So. You guys ready to dive back into this wonderful world of psychedelics and f- fun <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a groovy time. Fun, question mark. Fun, yeah. I don't know. I think. So in our last episode we discussed most of the beginnings and the psychological and drug induced tortures that the MK Ultra Project had participated in, whether it be on our homeland soil or overseas, but we stopped right before we got to the story of a man named Frank Olson. So Frank Olson was a man incorporated with the MK Ultra project and eventually would meet his untimely death while he was still in- involved with the project. So that's how we're going to start off today's episode, and then after that we'll get into the end of the project and Gottlieb's retirement and all of that good stuff. But to start off, let's get to meet who Frank Olson was. So test after test and experiment after experiment, Gottlieb realized that what he was doing wasn't yielding any results. And one of the major failures that brought the tension of MKUltra to a fever pitch was the death of Dr. Frank Olson. So Frank Olson was born to Swedish immigrant parents in Hurley, Wisconsin, another Wisconsin connection, <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, on July 17th, 1910. It's just insane how many times Wisconsin comes up in this story that I I had no prior knowledge that that was even associated with this, right. but because it was
2: funny with like Alfred McCoy, yeah, You're even Madison professor, I'm like all right, fine, that's like small world, but then it kept happening. Where yeah, it was like, like yeah. so and so's from Wisconsin, Ira Baldwin, Frank Olson, like mm-hmm. it's I'm sure there's many more.
1: Crazy, <laughs> and we just we just known for apparently this and dairy products. It's <laughs> serial killers. <laughs> So we have a pretty bad reputation going on, right. honestly. I mean, at least we're known people more- <laughs> love
2: dairy, they love true crime. At- <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> we're going to look at it in the positive yeah. side.
1: I love that spin so much. Like, <laughs> How many podcasts would just not exist if it wasn't for Wisconsin serial <laughs> Killers? Right. We just provide the entertainment for the country, apparently. I don't
0: remember what comedy... Or what comedian it was, but I was listening to someone talking about how they went on a Jack the Ripper tour, and they were like waiting for the big reveal of how many people Jack the Ripper killed. And then he's like, yeah. Then the tour guide was like, "And Jack the Ripper may have killed up to five women. <laughs> and the guy was like, I was so disappointed. I could go to Wisconsin right now and see five people get killed. And it's just like,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, unfortunately, that is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially but we're known for cheese now. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: we have the reigning NBA champs. So, yep. we've yeah, bucks and bucks. six. Overshadowing the bad stuff. So, Frank Olson grew up in Hurley, Wisconsin, and graduated from Hurley High School in 1927, and eventually went to the University of Wisconsin for agronomy, which is basically the study of how to better grow crops.
2: I'm glad you included that. I had no idea. I was like, what is that? Yeah, it's just agricultural studies, uh, okay. basically. Nerd.
0: So he eventually went on to get a Bachelor of Science degree and a PhD in bacteriology. So while he was in college, he met and married one of his classmates named Alice, and they would eventually have three children named Eric Nils and Lisa, I believe. I did not write their names down, but I I believe her name was Lisa. So after he graduated, he served as a captain in the U.S. Army Chemical Corp. So while he was serving, Olson's thesis advisor from college, who, as we mentioned in the first episode, was named Ira Baldwin, was asked to help the government in setting up that biological warfare installation. So one of the first people Ira asked to come help him was Frank Olson. So Olson was transferred out to where else but Edgewood Arsenal, which we also mentioned in the first episode, which is known to have tested various biological agents on its own soldiers. And then from there, the program would move on to a place known as Camp Dietrich.
2: Oh, I have a lot of info on Camp Dietrich. (laughs) Spill it out. Let's hear it. I say a lot. It's a couple sentences (laughs) in reality. (laughs) But it's something. Uh, So basically, like I mentioned in the first episode, when they were like, how do we do this thing? And Baldwin was the one to say, like, this is how we could do it. They're like, cool. Come to Washington. They gave him. A bunch of money and camp dietrich uh is a formal national guard airbase and they basically set up a huge biological where warf- war- warfare wow i can talk laboratories <laughs> 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 and uh the main ru- rule at camp dietrich is don't talk about Camp Dietrich. Like everything going on there is super. It's, secret it's the Fight not. Club of forts. Yeah, <laughs> or camps. I guess. Yeah, I'm looking, and I feel like that's all I have now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And he recommends So yeah, he recommended um, Frank Olson, who comes to Camp Dietrich, and then obviously goes on to a Special Operations Division. But yeah, so Camp Dietrich, they're doing just all so this. That's, like-
0: that's what S.O.D. stands for, Special Operations Div- Division. Because I saw that in like three sources and did not see what it actually meant. Yeah, so yep. I was just like, they're a part of S.O.D. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Agronomy, right. <laughs> they kept
2: saying like in the um, book I was doing, it was like S.O.D. And finally had to flip back and be like, what is it? And yeah. I finally yeah. wrote it down. Um, but oh, something else about Camp Dietrich is that one of the reasons they ended up kind of partnering with the cia is the idea that they could do all this research and like get the information on bio warfare and everything but they couldn't test it out like all the drugs and whatnot but the cia was considered an action agency and so they could put this into study so
1: gotcha what a bizarre technicality
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like you can study this yeah you can't do anything about it. You can look it.
1: at it, just don't play with the toy.
2: Yeah. Once again, the CIA just had so much power. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think the special, and this I could be totally wrong about, but the special operation division... Sod. I think... Yeah, Sod. Thank you. <laughs> um, sad comes SAD, from dude. Camp Dietrich that it kind of... Um, within Camp Dietrich, they create this other organization, which then was also top secret. It's like, so you could be in Camp Dietrich. Lakers. But then there was an inner circle... So it's like ogres. It has layers. Oh, my God. Mm. Cake also has layers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So after Frank was brought in, uh, and I should mention that Edgewood and Camp Dietrich are both in Maryland. So here, Ira and Frank would work together with who else but ex-Nazis brought over during Operation Paperclip in developing bioweapons. So after a little less than two years working here under the Army, Frank Olson was discharged, but he remained at the base under a civilian contract to continue his work. So while at Camp Dietrich, Frank Olson would be involved in numerous tests for different bio- aerobiological weapons, and these tests would subject animals, different animals to toxin clouds, and one specifically mentioned animal was monkeys. And his son Eric mentions in the Wormwood docuseries that he remembers his father coming home, and basically, he, if he told like Alice that work went well, that meant that all the monkeys had died, so it proves that their weapons were working, which is just a very weird way to say that you're doing a good job at work.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is going to sound terrible, but you are almost kind of glad that it was on monkeys and not on humans, like...
0: But that was right. like the ultimate goal. Is like we want yeah. this to work so that we can use it on people. It's mm-hmm. like,
2: yeah, wow, obviously that devious. part is messed up. But <laughs> yeah. I'm saying in terms of right. research, like right for sure. And I'm against least... animal cruelty. I buy products that say no animals were harmed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying in this instance, like
1: right, right.
0: I'd Anna hates monkeys. Like we oh, get my... it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: All the is gonna come after me. <laughs> oh, y- I heard you do not want PETA on you. They'll just throw fake blood on you. Did you
0: see that they made some like post? I think it was on Instagram around Thanksgiving. And they're like, imagine getting stuffed on Thanksgiving. And all these people are just, (laughs) all these people are just like, yes, please.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, like, yes, please.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just like, you got to like have someone else look over your work before you post this to Instagram.
2: (laughs) PETA to compare to MKUltra is something. Well-intentioned, but, like, bad, like, uh, yeah, in- right. you know, like, they don't know what to do work because they always are sending stuff out and you're like, no, no, everyone's just making fun of
1: you. They do bad stuff. Yes. Like, thank you for the meme.
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So as Eric quoted, that he,
0: he said that this kind of took a toll on his father and he said, quote, he'd come to work in the morning and see piles of dead monkeys that messes with you. He wasn't the right guy for that. So Frank participated in these tests during various large-scale operations as well, such as Operation Sea Spray, in which a bacterium called Ceratia marcescens Mar- I don't know how to say Nailed that it. word, <laughs> something like that, was released into balloons outside of San Francisco by a minesweeper And was subsequently carried into the city on wind currents and in the mist. And these balloons were popped over the city and it infected a number of people who complained of flu-like symptoms. And that area recorded a dramatic increase in pneumonia and UTIs because this bacteria infects you in certain areas of your body. And those two being examples.
2: And I think they originally thought that it was going to be pretty harmless And then one person actually did die because he had, I think it was prostate cancer, and they couldn't, they were, they could not figure out why, because I think he had been in remission and everything, and eventually it gets traced back to Operation Seaspray, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But they never, like, said for sure that, like, they denied it to the end and never had any consequence from it, because they're like, well, you can't prove that it was us. And, I mean, they really couldn't. So, like, oh, you guys released balloons over the city and then infected a bunch of people. Like... Yeah. It's so far fetched. Like, you take that in front of a court, they're going to be like,
2: yeah, okay, sure. So. Yeah. And it also goes back to, I think the CIA kind of scares themselves with this, too, because they're like, we were able to do this. The Soviets could do it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's like, ooh.
1: Craziness. If you think we're nuts, let me tell you about uh, people across the Pacific.
0: So, some of those infected were said to have died attributed to this test but like i said none of it was ever able to be proved and frank olson would also supposedly take multiple trips for work in which it is reported that he visited some of the cia safe houses outside the country where testing on human subjects was taking place so all of this pretty much combined into him not be or not only becoming disillusioned with the work but also possibly making him a threat to the program in the eyes of the higher ups because If someone's starting to lose faith in what they're doing and they're in the inner circle of everything going on, obviously they're going to do everything they can to stop that from getting out, stop him from getting out and telling other people. Mm -hmm. So, not that Frank Olson was going to do that, but that's what they probably had in their minds.
2: And probably with this agency, you have to think at this point, it's a boys' club. You know, it's all guys. It's the idea of this like fraternity, and you're not going to betray that. And if you do, you're going to be screwed. So, Mm -hmm. this like, it's this, you know, weird psychology of like, you're loyal till you die.
1: Ride or die, literally. (laughs)
2: Literally. And it's like, oh, man. And we'll be
0: getting to a, a good old boys' club meeting in a little bit here.
1: But just a quick point like, since we're talking about just kind of how devastating it would be like if now like if people just knew that the cia is definitely just guilty or like at the time if people were made aware that these things were happening in 1957 the inspector general of the cia at the time was quoted or he said quote the knowledge that the agency is engaging in unethical and illicit activities would have serious repercussions in political and diplomatic circles and would be detrimental to the accomplishment of its mission So I bring that that up now just to kind of reiterate the point that they couldn't let anything out about these projects or else they would lose all the power that they had at the time.
0: Yeah, and the New York Times articles from like the 70s said there is like former agents quoted as saying we know what we were doing was unethical as you just mentioned. So Mm -hmm. it's not like they had no idea that what they were doing was bad they right. knew but they're just like it's for the greater good. It's a, this was very much a utilitarian mindset that they had going into all of this. So so by this point Frank was on the committee for Project Artichoke, aka MKUltra, and according to one of his coworkers, by July of 1953 his mood was noticeably different as a result of witnessing interrogations in Europe that convinced him that the US had used biological weapons in the Korean War. And so this was brought about because of confessions, or supposed confessions, from American POWs who later recanted and said that they only confessed under torture. But basically that these, these people said that America was doing pretty much biological warfare in Korea because they were captured by the Koreans. And then after Frank saw these interrogations with these men after they got brought back to the U.S. forces he kind of just had a different mindset about what they were doing, and like his attitude changed towards it. So these hostile investigations into the men came about shortly after, because they were searching for that disloyalty, and a few months after the incident, on November 18th, 1953, Olsen attended a retreat of the higher-ups in Project MKUltra at a cabin on Deep Creek Lake in Maryland, and this is where the boys' club meeting comes in.
2: And I think these... Uh, gatherings I guess were pretty common. Yeah, there was I, like, I believe it was a, a, a monthly
0: thing. I don't know if it was always here, but yeah, I think it was like a monthly meeting that they had between different people. And there is like a trip manifest in one of the articles that I found and it says like the list of people that are invited, but it says like possible attendees. So it's not like everyone was always at these meetings, but for this one, it seemed like most of the men that were invited were in attendance.
2: Suspicious. Also, I feel like it's, again, one of those things, the idea of being like exclusive. Yeah. Like, you want an invite to this cabin. Right. You don't know what's going to happen, but like you want to be in the know. You want those inside jokes. Well, and- <laughs> that's the whole thing you you want the secret handshakes you want to pass someone in the office and be like remember when sorry you weren't there (laughs) the water cooler talk you just walk
0: away when when Andy comes over here, like you weren't there yeah Yeah, sorry (laughs) can't relate but also in the same vein like you guys are looked at by like each other as the last line of defense against the Soviet technological advancement so you guys are trying to pretty much single-handedly make the US ready for the possibility of cold war attacks, you know.
2: Yeah, and that go I think that gets to your head in two ways of one like, "Oh my god, we're at the last defense," but then also yeah, we're the last <laughs> defense. Like oh, it's yeah. very <laughs> much like an arrogant uh-huh. thing as much as it is like pressure on you. Yeah. You're also like, "Heck yeah. Right. I'm so smart," whether or not that's true.
0: So according to that trip manifest, Frank Olson would be one of 11 or 12 people possibly participating. So you may ask, well, who else was on that list? I do ask. You want to (laughs) ask? Yeah.
2: No, no, that was just, who else was on that list? Okay. Thank you for asking.
1: (laughs) I was too scared to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: our good friend, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb. He was on that list along with a man named Doctor Robert Lashbrook, who is the man who would dose all of the drinks at the gathering with LSD and
2: would later be the last person to see Frank Olson alive. Uh, another question: Do you think he used uh, the magician, like the magic tricks he really. learned Oof. earlier, <laughs> and he was like? sleight of hand you know? <laughs> which drink is drugged we don't know why is robert
0: keeping all these like flash bombs on his person yeah. like, is he gonna use those for something like is there
1: a party trick why does he keep on doing like the thumb trick? Like, <laughs> the i saw a wand thumb. in his back pocket like yeah. i don't get it <laughs> and also it's 12 people like he yeah be very good
0: right so in the wormwood documentary the way that they portrayed it was just that he was making the drinks near, like, the bar while everyone else was down by, the, like, the fireplace and then just put little drops in each one and brought them
1: over. That's I don't nice. know if that's actually how it happened that or not. It's sounds fun. But I, I'm just picturing, like, him walking down, like, with two... Like pictures of Kool Aid type thing. <laughs> Here you go, boy, something sweet. About a fuck you. <laughs> and they all but he trip. just like pirouettes away. Yeah. That's how I would have done it. <laughs> yeah. I just
2: really enjoy the idea of him not drugging the drinks until they're all holding them and him just walking past me, like, oh, I got another one. It's, <laughs> it's like when, when you like, tap them
0: on the opposite shoulder yeah. and then like, doop, doop, doop. Yeah. yeah. Like,
2: you'd be so impressed with yourself. You're able to get away with that. But, Obviously, the idea of him in the kitchen makes much more sense, but or by the bar. It's not but, as um, fun, though. No, it's Our not. idea is much more fun. Yes, yeah. I definitely like the
1: magician's the approach. Car- the, yeah. the
2: cartoon magician aspect of yeah. it is so funny. <laughs> right. If you're going to drug people, you got to make it a challenge for yourself. Make it fun. Yeah, at least make it flashy. He's the evil, <laughs> he's the evil fairly odd parent. <laughs> <laughs> so, as mentioned, Olsen and the
0: others in attendance were dosed with LSD, unknown to most of them. Some of them knew, but most of them did not. And Frank specifically suffered a bad trip. So while he was there, he claimed that the others in attendance laughed at him and that he was never going to be able to live up to the standards that they all had for each other. So after the three-day retreat, Frank returned home. And while he was home, his behavior was even more noticeably different than how he usually was. He refused to eat. He kept his distance emotionally, barely speaking about what had happened on his excursion. And one night he, I don't know if he slipped up, but he told his wife Alice, quote, I have made a terrible mistake. So now it's out in the open that something bad has happened and she has reason to believe that something is going on behind the scenes because as far as the family knows, he's just taking a ton of work trips and he's helping the CIA with some sort of biochemical testing or weapons testing or whatever. So.
2: And most likely, they don't even know that it's the CIA. It's just like, you're going to a research lab.
0: exactly. So they have no idea, really, of what's going on. So when he returned to work the next Monday, he went into his boss and pretty much asked, are you going to fire me or do I have to quit? And he pretty much said that he felt he was too incompetent to continue his work. And his boss, named Vincent Ruit, who had also attended the retreat hoped his mental state would improve over the next couple days. But when it didn't, Vincent, along with Robert Lashbrook, flew Frank out to New York where he was told to talk to an allergist, not a psychiatrist, who had close ties with MKUltra and the CIA. So right away, they're already taking steps to make sure that he's seeing their people, Mm -hmm. not that he's just going and seeing any random person because who knows what he might say while he's in there, you know? So after his visit with the doctor, Lashbrook checked both of them into the Hotel Stadler. Here, Robert and Frank shared a small room, room 1018A.
2: Which is rude. They could have gotten them two separate rooms. I know.
1: I know. The <laughs> amount of funding that the CIA had, they could have done. They like, could have right. done, too. Obviously,
2: probably strategic, but also, if it's like they have to share a room, get them a big room. Yeah. <laughs> At least be know, nice about it. I It's just like a it. small room with two twin beds. It's like-
0: like this Come is making me on. feel yeah. better. Like no. You guys just flew me out to New York and this is the best you can do. <laughs> You're like, ah, the big city. <laughs> and they stayed on the thirteenth floor, so it's like this was a big hotel. You're right. So Ooh, they
2: really? could have done better. Thirteenth. Yeah. Unlucky. It's the, ooh, I didn't Sydney, even think of that. Ooh, well, Sidney Gottlieb started working for the CIA on Friday the thirteenth, nineteen fifty one. So, so he's Jason Voorhees. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> We're connecting the dots. This is very,
0: uh, what's the dude's name from It's Always Sunny? Who has like the cork board with all of the different
1: Charlie. Charlie, oh, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Pepe Char- Silvia. Yeah, it's
2: very, very that right. <laughs> I now. love that when he's like, it all makes sense. And you're like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, what a show. Yeah.
0: So the CIA file lists Frank as being unstable during during the whole stay. It claims he was delusional and was found walking about the city streets until morning. And it would be two days later on November 28th that Frank Olson would die. According to Lashbrook, he either saw Frank standing in the middle of the room at night and then saw him run through the window and fall 13 floors down, or he woke up to the sound of the window breaking and saw the shade flapping. So it's one of the two. In the original account that he gave to the police, he said that he woke up to the window breaking, and it was later her overheard that he told someone else that he saw him in standing in the middle of the room and then run through the window. So, not very corroborating stories. But that's going to be a running theme.
2: That is some thin window pane. Seriously, <laughs> like if oh, you yeah. are. <laughs> Holy cow. Like, right. that is not thick glass. Especially
0: for a thirteenth floor of a hotel, <laughs> you'd think you'd want like a good window there.
2: Aren't hotel windows? There's some thing in place now, right? Like you can't open them, or right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's true. yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. when that started because that's just, like obviously right. You know. Maybe In you're right case. after this. Yeah, they're like, you know what? We need to do reinforce <laughs> we need our to windows,
0: Olsonify these windows. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, that's, that's terrible. His name. <laughs> <laughs> that would. I
2: don't know. You said it.
0: I don't know who who said that. So, Robert Lashbrook. <laughs> After this Roll happened,
2: he has all cut it out. Yeah, he has all the cut it out. Me. Power, so. <laughs> not if we drug him and right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that busy
1: has LSD in it. Good.
0: <laughs> so Lashbrook then made a call, not to the police or to the hospital, Shocker. but supposedly to Sidney Gottlieb. But whoever he called, it was in my wh- face. <laughs> it's
1: like that's who I, I would
2: call so an emergency. To that. who you get a call. <laughs> Gottlieb. Yeah. <laughs> Sid, Gottlieb. CIA. In an emergency, you always call Gottlieb. The clubfoot handsome man. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> who likes to dance. <laughs>
1: yeah, who loves the both dance, ironically. And milk goats.
0: Yeah. What a guy. So whoever it was that Lashbrook called, it was reported by the hotel phone operator that he connected a call from, the, from a man in room 1018A and overheard this man saying, well, he's gone, and a reply on the other end of, that's too bad. The that's hotel nightmare yeah, is chilling. It is very <laughs> like, just shows how like little regard they had for anyone, right? In this, like situation,
2: like the disrespect. Yeah, True. like this man literally, like a minute ago, died. If someone said that about my death, like that's too bad. I would come back. And yeah. like, excuse me. <laughs> right? Oh
1: yeah, you're haunting the heck
0: out of oh, them. Yeah. Oh yeah. At least I would. So the hotel night manager ran outside when he saw Frank fall and went to his side immediately. And supposedly Frank attempted to speak, but his words were unintelligible. And Frank died shortly after. So the police report that followed listed that Frank either, quote, jumped or fell, end quote, out of the window and ultimately died from suicide. So that's where we'll stop this story for now, but we will return to it later.
1: In episode three.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, despite the unfortunate death of Frank Olsen, Gottlieb and the rest of the MKUltra team pushed forward, and throughout the next few years, they looked for magic mushrooms in Mexico, created a suicide capsule for American U-2 agents, who might get in- put into a compromising position if they get downed over Soviet airspace, and creating a wetsuit laced with shellfish toxin for an attempted assassination on Fidel Castro, which... That's another episode we should do is just all of the different attempted assassination yeah. methods for Fidel Castro. Yeah. Like the exploding cigar, the
1: shellfish toxin-laced wetsuit. Yeah. We tried to get him quite a few times. Yeah.
2: And failed each time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, it should be noted, uh, Gottlieb was kind of the mastermind. In addition to MKUltra was creating all these poisons. Like mm-hmm. he was the one who um, in our interview with um Stephen Kinzer talked about that they wanted to um, poison the prime minister of the Congo, the Congo.
0: Lumumba. I yeah. believe His name was.
2: And uh, Kinzer was looking into like, well, how would they have gotten this poison to him and all this stuff? And then realized, Oh, it was Gottlieb. What like created the kit and was the one who like carried the poison over. And who knows if he would have done the final act, probably not. But Just like he's called poisoner in chief for a reason, yeah, because he was just this brilliant mind.
0: Yeah, and he had good people, like he had Frank Olson and Ira Baldwin working with him, who are both like very like renowned bacteriologists. Yeah, so like he had good people on
2: the payroll with him. It's just they used it for a lot of bad things, Mm -hmm. right? And also in terms of things like budget, the sky's the limit. This guy has no like. The higher ups are looking the other way. They don't care what he does. They just want him to do it. They already gave him almost a quarter of a million dollars to buy the entire (laughs) world supply
0: of LSD, (laughs) right? And just like put it as a write off. I don't know
1: who writes it off. Kind of (laughs) hilarious that like tax dollars went to just purchase truckloads of LSD. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's funny because apparently in the Edgewood like scenario, there was a period in time where a giant drum. Get just like showed up to like the, the guy who was heading the project at the time at his office and no one told him what it was it wasn't like marked in any way and he opened it up and there just like thousands of vials of liquid like pure liquid LSD and like no one explained what it was why it was there and then a couple days after that it was just gone so that could have very well been Gotly buying all of the world's LSD or something, and then it just got shipped there because that's where they started off. Yeah. <laughs> they needed a place to store it. Yeah, and then it got put over to Camp D- or, uh, yeah, Camp Dietrich afterwards. I don't know if that's what it was, but hey,
1: connects. Well, if it just got shipped to like a random house, like just this, <laughs> just this mon pa shop that was selling like little side gadgets that look like vials or something yeah. like that,
0: or it was like just they got these clear vials of liquid and they're like, It must be some
2: new drink.
0: And then they just put it on the shelves (laughs) and everyone just starts tripping in the neighborhood. That'd be a fun time. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, Sidney Gottlieb personally delivered poison to foreign embassies as we just kind of went over. And all the while, the LSD experiments carried on as well until in 1963 when MKUltra was discontinued. And I don't really know the reason why they discontinued it in this year specifically, but that year was officially over. But that really was not the end of it, and after the project was closed, the different methods used during MKUltra were cataloged into a CIA interrogation handbook, which is basically a torture manual. So it is known as the Kubark, and you can find it online. It's readily available. Someone requested it through the Freedom of Information Act and uploaded it as a PDF, so you can read through all of it. There's a bunch of redactions in it, as with any CIA documents, but... It lists a lot of good stuff in there that you can like see how they really normalized all of this. So so lighthearted
1: read. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Don't read it before bed; you might get nightmares.
0: The uh, the manual lists various aspects from MK Ultra as important findings for future counterintelligence measures, and McGill is cited as a main source for the sensory deprivation techniques. And one quote specifically says. Results produced only after weeks or months of imprisonment in an ordinary cell can be duplicated in hours in a cell which has no light, which is soundproofed, in which odors are eliminated, etc. So basically, what Dr. Hebb's had been finding out through his st- studies on willing participants is what they tried to use as interrogation techniques on whoever. So pretty sinister stuff from, like, a very well-intentioned man. Right. Torture. It's torture. Yeah. (laughs) So, Sidney Gottlieb retired from the CIA in 1973 when director Richard Helms was removed by President Nixon. And since Helms was one of the only people left in the agency who knew any of what Gottlieb did, he was pretty much the last bastion of hope for Gottlieb to stay in the CIA and stay protected.
2: Yeah, Helms is the one, too. We didn't really bring him up in the first episode, but he and Gottlieb are the one who write the proposal for MK Ultra to... Alan Dulles? Is it Alan? Alan Dulles, Dulles yeah. And um, so Helms uh, is very much, like, in this the entire time.
0: Yeah. So, because... As we mentioned in the first episode, it started as Project Bluebird, then Artichoke, and then basically they just combined all of it under one name, which was MK Ultra. Yeah. And that's why we've referred to it as MK Ultra the whole time, pretty much, just because that's what the entire
2: umbrella is. And I also know the name. (laughs) Like why they chose MK Ultra, which is it's so stupid. Is Alan Dulles was like, This is ultra secret information or like (laughs) they're like MK Ultra and it's like that we couldn't have come up with anything better. Like artichoke was as dumb as it P-server was. He by least-
0: the books, people, until they right. start testing drugs. Yeah, guys, it's
1: super secret. Super no, no, no. Under their ultra radar. secret, <laughs> it's
2: ultra secret. You can't tell anyone. Pinky promise right now. And now like we call it panel drugs. And the MK, I can't remember what it stood for, but Michael like, Kors, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was like meant to symbolize something as well. And I, was, I think it was a partnership between the CIA and maybe the Saad. I could be wrong. There's some reason for MK though. Hmm. But yeah, ultras because Michael like, Kors, <laughs> okay. According to Jacob, so he. Yeah, t- right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so after Helms got removed, uh, like I said, there was. No more people in protecting Gottlieb from this unsupervised stint that he had. Because at the time, CIA pretty much saw itself outside of the legal framework because they didn't have anyone telling them pretty much who to report to. And there's not a more perfect example of this than the bravado of Helms and Gottlieb ending their careers in the CIA because before they left, they both agreed that all evidence of MKUltra must be destroyed. And that's why we know relatively little still about the specifics of a lot of this. Because Gottlieb personally drove to CIA record stores and destroyed boxes of evidence himself. However, they overlooked some financial records that got moved into a different place. Idiots. So, the public was informed of MKUltra by a reporter named Seymour Hirsch in 1974. While he was researching other illegal activities by the CIA in which they spied on American citizens... The MK-Ultra files were also found. So multiple commissions were set up to investigate the project, and hearings were held to discuss the findings. And in 1977, those financial files were found and another hearing was held in which it was discovered that 149 different sub-projects had been run, which dozens revolved around human drug testing. And it was also revealed that the CIA had been setting up bogus foundations and making donations to different institutes to cover the fact that they were funding these research programs. So as far as these institutions knew, they were just getting a generous donation from a foundation that just popped up. Mm -hmm. So, And Evan, I know you said you had something a little more on that.
1: Yeah, for example, one of these foundations was actually called the Human Ecology Fund. And uh, it was actually the front... for the money for three different projects that were all financed for mk ultra and this specific one this is just a random one it also funded the filming of a documentary of quote african witch doctors and how they were healing mental illness like through just very natural tactics like no real i guess i can actually say no real scientific method to it but like and the filmmaker didn't know about it until 20 years later. So the person that actually did all the filming didn't know that it was for the CIA until 20 years later.
0: Yeah, and that's how it was for a lot of these people. Like yep. they, they were just, as I mentioned in the first episode, they were all duped. Like,
1: <clears throat> like for example, uh, uh, Ewan Cameron, uh, he was given 60 grand from this Human Ecology Fund as well. Um, and then also just the final thing from this Human Ecology Fund. The Transcultural Psychiatric Review was founded through it. And it's still to this day a very renowned publication. It's cut all of its ties to the CIA at this point. I'd hope. I'd hope, yeah. <laughs> That's good. But uh, they were actually the ones... Like The CIA just started this incredible, like groundbreaking research report or research review for the field of psychiatry. So, yeah, they had a lot of different fake funds, fake names to supply... This money, these grants to all these different scientists, because scientists didn't want to directly be linked to the CIA, because they just—I I guess I don't know—they just didn't want to.
0: Yeah, and the people that and didn't the bad name the CIA. I yeah, guess the people that didn't even know were just told, "Hey, test these drugs for us through like this foundation or whatever." Yeah, and I—I I believe in the the Senate hearing report that I read. The the monetary value is like three hundred seventy five thousand dollars, which is like nineteen fifties and sixties money. So I don't know, I didn't look what that would translate to today, but it's probably over a million dollars at this point. So Mm -hmm. there's not, it's not like a small sum of money going into this. Like there's a lot of money being shelled out. Gottlieb was asked to appear and to testify. But he avoided a public hearing through his lawyer and instead met in private with his lawyer and pleaded that he did not remember what
2: happened.
1: <laughs> what?
2: Yeah, can you believe? Brilliant mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has I has that selective part amnesia.
1: Yep. I missed this part. Literally of just
0: pleaded, he as the article said, he pled amnesia. Like he just said, I don't remember. So I'm taking
1: back his baddie of history card. He doesn't <laughs> deserve it. <laughs> Like But like
2: in a sense he's like he answered the question. He's like, Well, I don't really recall. I was like you can't prove if he can't recall. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at this guy's record and they're like,
0: Okay, he's invented spy gadgets for our US spies. He's made a ton of poisons and almost assassinated two heads of state in different countries. Like Oh, you don't remember, huh?
2: I've moved on from that time in my life, so don't bring it up.
0: So he eventually pushed back a trial and died in 1999, never truly facing any consequences for what he did. So going back to the Olson family, they didn't receive any information on Frank's death for over two decades. All they knew at the time was that he had died of a supposed suicide and that they weren't allowed to see his body afterwards because it was in too bad of a shape to be shown at the funeral, so his closed casket. It wasn't until 1975, remember he died in 1953, when most of the events of MK Ultra came to light, that the Olsons found out anything new about what, have, what may have happened with Frank. They found out about what he was doing for work and about him getting dosed at Deep Creek in that meeting. So over the next year, they would receive an apology from President Gerald Ford, as well as a promise from him that this would never happen again, that they would be given all the information regarding what happened to Frank, and that they would also receive monetary compensation of $750,000. However, this was half a million less than what they had originally agreed upon. So, in in the documentary, at this point, Eric Olson, who is Frank's son, who is the one that spearheads a lot of the research and, like, investigation into what happened because he really wants to prove that his father was maybe killed, like, allegedly killed and this is pretty much like destroyed his life like he's in over a hundred thousand dollars in debt and this consumed his entire life after he graduated college pretty much and this is all he was focused on like he was getting fired from jobs because he could not focus on work and it's pretty bad like how all consuming this became which i can't you can't blame him mm. i mean your father died under mysterious circumstances and you were like thirteen years old or whatever, and then all you're left with is a uh, sorry. Because, right. because basically what he thinks is that they invited the family to meet the president so that they could pretty much get this apology and get get of av- away from a court hearing because they didn't the CIA definitely didn't want them to go to court because then more files would be brought to light and the public would be able to see these things, so they didn't want that. So they th- that's what Eric thinks, is that this was kind of a diversion so that they would avoid going to court. After their meeting, Alice passed away in 1993, and it was at this point that Eric and his brother had their father's body exhumed, and another autopsy was done on him by a man named James Starts. And the reason they waited until after Alice passed away is because... They both agreed that she had been through enough with everything that had happened Mm -hmm. between him dying, it getting rehashed 20 years after the fact, them having to go appear in front of different Senate hearings, go meet the president, all of this. They just agreed, we don't want to put her through anything more. So James starts after exhuming the body, was surprised at the condition and claimed that Frank's body was clearly recognizable and he found that there were no cuts on the head or neck like the original report stated after obviously jumping through a glass window would do. However, he did find a bruise over Olson's left eye, which suggests that Olson was struck on the head before his death. So these findings put many questions into the case, but it wasn't really enough to prove that he was murdered. So to this day, nothing has changed, and the suicide ruling is still the official story. And one of the big hindrances in Eric's pursuit of truth, or what he believes is truth, is the fact that they pretty much signed an agreement when they met with the president saying, like, they can't come back and try and rehash this unless they have sufficient evidence that they can file a wrongful death suit. And that's the only way they can really get around this signed agreement that they made back in the 70s, so... That's the the wall that he's facing, and mm-hmm. he's, as I said, spent most of his life trying to overcome that wall or break through that wall. But they still are struggling with it, as far as I know, to this day. So
2: that's sad.
0: Who knows? the uh, The official line is that he jumped or fell out of yeah. the window, but
2: one of the things I read is that they said the wounds on the body were similar to like what the CIA agents had learned how to like incapacitate someone. Yep. So obviously those are meant to look exactly inconspicuous. Mm-hmm. Oh, he fell from the window. Right. Yeah.
0: I, yeah, I believe that was like a specific mission. I don't remember where, but it was somewhere overseas that they're trying to uh like assassinate a certain group of people and basically said like incapacitate them and then throw them off a cliff or something like so it looks like they fell or committed suicide. So Jeez. It was similar from what he said, he found files that it was like almost word for word like what happened to his father so this is all alleged i don't know if any of this is actually true this is just what eric said but i mean if if something nefarious did happen with his father which it's not out of their own possibility by any means i hope he and his family members can find some closure but
2: that justice is served
0: remains mm-hmm. to be seen for now so despite the dark and murky history of MK Ultra, it is certain that the project was a failure. It destroyed the lives of unknown numbers of people, and despite Gottlieb's best attempts, he was forced to accept that mind control didn't exist. He was a success in other projects, such as making spy technology, and he went on to retire and live a life filled with dance and nature. When not conf- that he deserved it. No, not right. at all. This is like the same thing with Joseph Mengele, who escaped the Nazi trials and then just lived in Guatemala or Argentina or whatever for the rest of his life.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So Gottlieb was confronted by the Olsen family in 1984, and at the end of their meeting, he told Eric to drop the entire thing. And he said that he should go search out a counselor who deals with grief and trauma after a family member commits suicide, which Eric said almost drove him, like, to physically harm gottlieb i was gonna say i would (laughs) have punched gottlieb in the face right but despite the horrible things countless horrible things that he did he died a free man and surprisingly he was a major reason why the drug-fueled counterculture arose in the late 60s because he brought lsd to america so, the discovery of MKUltra, as well as other illegal CIA activity, led to a major lack of trust from the public and their government for years to come. And some of that still remains today, and especially since in 1963 was when JFK was assassinated, and that was when this project ended. So, only 10 years after that, people are finding out that not only did was there maybe a cover-up involved with that, but also, that the CIA has been covering up all of this for years. So, conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Right. And this is one case where conspiracy was true. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people just didn't have ways to prove it for over two decades. And then finally, it came to light.
2: Yeah. And when it is finally like when the um, New York Times article comes out, it's almost not brushed under the rug, but it wasn't like people had a little reaction to it like there's so much other stuff going on like the Cold War is still going on Watergate's happening Vietnam's
0: like just at the tail end of, or just finishing up depending on when you're reading on this stuff so yeah there's a lot of different things going on Robert mm-hmm. Kennedy was just assassinated like through four years or six years ago like
1: the mid 1900s were kind of wild. Yeah, there's <laughs>
0: yeah. a ton of different stuff going on. Holy but, cow! Yeah, all of that combined, just it, it just didn't really see the limelight. I guess you could say. Mm. And now people are finally starting to realize, like, this actually happened. And right, it like, was not good. <laughs> it's yeah. insane
1: that this is just like we know that MK Ultra happened. Like, to what extent is still like unclear. Like, we know like a lot of this happened, and it's just. It's like, oh yeah, that that happened. Like we acknowledge it, but it's like nothing can really be too much done because everyone's yeah. either dead that participated in it, or yeah, there's not enough evidence to really go at the government or what have you, right? Which is wild. Considering like yeah. we yeah. we know, I mean,
0: yeah, it's not none, none of it's good. It's it's pretty all bad. Don't
1: trust your government, kids.
0: Except the yeah. except the magician, magician. <laughs> right. The magician's still kind of fun.
2: Yeah, but I do kind of love that it launches the counterculture movement that you have like ken kesey and alan ginsburg who are participating in these experiments and then taking lst yeah, back right. and being like and you know who sucks the government <laughs> we got woodstock out of <laughs> <Yeah>. this <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so not everything was bad
1: yeah. <laughs> again the positive side yeah
2: yep. and it should be noted that because of everything president ford does um sign an executive order that says experimentation with drugs on humans, uh, you need their consent, which goes back to the Nuremberg trials or the, the code that we got we from said the that Nuremberg twice trials. Twice in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's like, remember human consent. It's not yeah. just for sex, it's for everything else. Right, literally.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much a wrap up on MK Ultra. Yeah. I did not really realize how vast of a a web this covered when i was starting this research and oh boy it's yeah. a lot
2: i was going to say we um even though we got two episodes out of this we really just skimmed the surface yeah like there's oh, definitely. so much more that went on yeah
0: cuz like i said when you start researching a certain article it will skim over certain parts and then you can just look that up on its own and find 20 different articles just on that so mm. there's And there's plenty of books that have been written on it now. So, like, Stephen Kinzer's book is great, but there's so many other books out there, too, that you can read that are thoroughly documenting everything that has been found. And, I mean, I just went on Google and I found the Senate hearing transcripts and that Kubark transcript. So, like,
2: all of it's out there if you wanted to go look for it yourself, but... Adventure is out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do recommend reading Poisoner in Chief. I haven't finished it yet, but that's a book by Steven Kinzer. And he does a great job of explaining everything, giving that background, and also just a great writer. And he kind of throws shade at them at sometimes, which oh. is very amusing to me because it is a very dark subject. And he goes into a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that you're like, damn, I don't know if I want to know this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's a very fun man to talk to, too. He was very insightful and like very well spoken when put on the spot for a different questions. So that interview yeah. was very helpful. So it was very mm-hmm. cool.
2: Yeah, shout out to him.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Stephen.
1: Thanks, Steve.
2: <laughs> oh, Steve!
0: First thing, he <laughs> he's not up. even a full first thing. My name. boy, my boy. <laughs> yeah,
1: my main man, Steve. <laughs> But yeah, I hope you guys. If he's listening to this. He's probably like, who the hell? I don't know. That voice. <laughs> the one guy that didn't talk to him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and for that, you're probably his like favorite out of the three of us. Right? Yeah. He's like, God, I have to deal with these two idiots. <laughs> in his
1: next book, I get like the foreword. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> do you want
0: to write in the foreword of my book? Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh.
0: He was so kind, though. <laughs> he was, and the, the fact that he responded so quickly and was ready to do it right away it was very, very yeah. kind of him to take time out of his day to talk to us. To, help us with this so thank yeah. you Stephen, and thank you to everyone else out there who's done the research so that we can try and compile a, a story on this so i think that's all we got though for this one heaven wanna... that's all
1: we got after two hours yeah. and two episodes but yeah it's... i mean do i have more notes yes but...
2: <laughs>
0: like she said just skimming the surface
1: <laughs> yeah but You can find us on social medias at gems underscore history on Twitter. You can find Jacob at Jacob from Wisco, Mark at Mark underscore sign B and myself at whatevskis. Would you like to plug something now or after the Instagram read?
2: You have an Instagram? Oh, read? we
1: have an Instagram. So it sounds like us. an ad read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like- sponsored by Instagram. Yeah. You can I meant like, not finish sponsored. yours yeah, if not you sponsored. want. It was more of me like, oh, do you want Wait, me she- to read the Instagram let- thing?
0: Let her do our Instagram handle. She said she wants to take it. I don't know what it is. Oh, it's I thought you just said oh. that you wanted no, to I take said, it. I-
2: no, I didn't. I said, I-
1: it's <laughs> here. You tell it to me and I'll We're off the it. walls. Um, Okay, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> at gems underscore of underscore history underscore podcast.
2: Oh my God, that is so obnoxious. <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is very obnoxious. It is the Follow worst. gems of history at gems underscore of underscore history underscore podcast. Heck yeah. Yeah, so that was such <laughs> confidence. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, we need to change that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you want somewhere easier to reach out, you can uh, email us at gems of history podcast at gmail.com. we we'll Respond to you there as well,
1: or go on our TikTok at Gems of History Pod.
2: Find oh. us everywhere and anywhere. <laughs> yep,
1: even right outside of your house. Right We're now. watching you. We're there.
2: Oh, I, I'm not associated. No. <laughs> <laughs> not so, a stalker. Fair Count enough. Fair, fair
0: enough. She's just a temporary guest. She yeah, doesn't want to yeah. be involved in our hygiene. <laughs> <No. laughs> we got a magician and everything. We're ready. <laughs> But yes, guys, thank you for listening. And once again, everyone have a safe and happy new year. And we will talk to you guys in 2022. Adios. Bye.